Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I am your host, Dale Luganbill. Beardstruggle.com, everybody. If you got a beard, you're thinking about growing a beard, check out the Beardstruggle.com. They have really good, like, uh, Viking steam, very manly, very manly smelling products for your beard. Uh, it's good stuff. I use it. I love the stuff. Uh, it's got everything you could possibly imagine you may need or want for your beard balms elixir heat protection spray straightener comb bags travel bags you know whatever you want they got it so check them out beardstruggle.com use code fullscale15 at checkout you're going to save yourself 15 percent and you're going to end up helping out the show as well also brought to you by me the full scale outdoors uh we're running we kind of got some big things i'm running hunts this year honker hunts in uh, east central minnesota so if you would like to get on a honker hunt get a hold of me and uh i'm I'm booking we're getting some dates on there so it's gonna go once it starts they start seeing birds hit the dirt and it's gonna it's gonna fill up so don't be afraid to uh pre-book here so you can give me a call 612-209-5438 or you can send me a text that same number you can email me at lukenbuildd at gmail.com. You can send me a message on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat. Uh, there is a multitude of ways for you to get a hold of me. So uh, just get a hold of me. Let's set that up. And also on the 26th at Wings North in Pine City, we are doing a Field of Fork How to Cook Waterfowl event. That's a lot of words, I know. But, you know, they kind of need all those descriptive descriptors in there i'm gonna walk you through like what you should do in the field to take care of your meat so that you can have the best quality table fare and then after that i'm gonna show you some different things you can do simple things and then a little more complicated things you can do to make your waterfall taste amazing and i'm telling you right now it's simple it's not more is less this isn't marinating it in a million years in Italian dressing and doing this and doing that and and you know if, if you like to hunt waterfall and like oh I don't like the flavor trust me you're, you're doing it wrong because waterfall is some of the best wild protein out there and I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how so get a hold of me for that spots are extremely limited on that we're about half capacity right now as I record this but this might not come out for a couple weeks so uh, keep that in mind um, if you're not already following me on Facebook, please do follow Full Scale Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram or uh, 
me, Dale Luganbill, on Facebook, although I think I'm dangerously close to being tapped out on friends on my personal account. So you're better off going to Full Scale Outdoors page uh, than you know you're going to get in. And uh, all the information's there. Get a hold of me the same way you would if you're going to uh, just book a goose hunting trip. And then uh, keep in mind, ice fishing's right around the corner. I'll be uh, guiding ice fishing trips again this year too. So all sorts of good stuff. Full Scale Outdoors, follow me on all those social platforms. I would appreciate it. All right, let's get to it. On today's episode, I have a very interesting subject matter. One most of you, I'm guessing, have never heard. In fact, I didn't hear about it until some clients of mine from uh, snow goose hunting, from snow goose season, told me about it. Like, have you ever heard of this guy? And he's the mink man. He's got a YouTube channel. And he has trained, he raises, and he trains mink to hunt rats and muskrats. And at the time, I didn't even know this. And I don't, maybe I shouldn't even say this. I don't know if I should give it away. No, I'm not going to say it. You're going to have to listen to it. But the story is even wilder than that. All right. So just check out this episode. It's awesome. The dude, it's the mink man. That's just a cool name anyway. So, yeah, check him out on uh, YouTube, The Mink Man, right here on the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. <laughs> oh, here we go, boys. Go. that sound this is a good one hey how's it going good the mink man that's uh, me <laughs> <laughs> sorry about the confusion my phone Ever since I got the new one, it's been like really weird. This guy messaged me and said, "Hey, I'm, a, I'm here. Are you there?" We went hunting, came home the next morning. I got his text. I'm like, "What the flip?" Oh no, <laughs> that was from yesterday. <laughs> anyway, so, that's yeah. fine. It happens, man. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Well, let's go down this crazy, this crazy road of. Uh, it's a crazy story, dude. The hunting muskrats with the mink. So I'm just uh, yeah. just diving right into it. So I got the Joseph Carter here. This is the Mink Man on YouTube, and I strongly suggest everybody go and check that out because it's uh, highly entertaining and interesting. So uh, give me the backstory, Joseph, on uh, how you got. Look, where did you get the idea of hunting muskrats with the mink? Sure. So I. Um... Previous to having mink experience, I had plenty of animal experiences out, you know, that had nothing to do with mink. So I, um, as a kid, I caught and tamed and trained various wild animals. Like had a pet squirrel, possums, you know, all kinds of goofy stuff. Had a little raccoon, you know, just kind of whatever was available. I had a raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was just, just kind of into until it wasn't. I was going to say, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. uh, those those usually start out fun. Yeah, yeah. Mine, 
Mine actually didn't start out fun. It I got it when I was a little too old, so it was mean from the get go. Oh wow! And then I I tamed it down, and it was kind of cool. But I mean, it wasn't something you could like like just play with. You know, it was, we got it was we got ours wild. pretty young, and so it was very tame. But it was a, a it was a pain in the ass. So that's actually like we named him Pita, P I T A, pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, he was cool, like. You know, it's funny because you come home and you wouldn't see him around anywhere. He'd just be in his little hideout place, which we had one of those big old, I'm not sure if you, you might not be old enough for this, but we had a big old hi-fi television set. Big, giant, mm-hmm. looks like a, a buffet, you know, but with a big tube TV in it. Well, it's kind of like yeah. hollow behind it, and that was kind of like his little, that's where he liked to hang out. So you yeah, could right. come home and you could bang plates together. You could stop and slam cupboard doors you can do whatever but until you said something he heard your voice he wouldn't come out but if he heard your voice then out, out he comes you know making those little raccoon noises you know <laughs> climb right up your shoulder and sit there and yeah, he was pretty cool actually he never really got to be that bad um that bad because unfortunately he didn't live to be that old or maybe he did, um, but I don't know that he did. My mom, who was not a huge fan of animals, um, she got upset because he kept uh, like digging in the flower pots, and actually that's where he chose to go to the bathroom, which I'm like, hey, it's like a litter box, right? Big deal. It could, could be worse. It could be worse. Uh, but one day she decided she had enough, and so she went and put him out in the barn. No, not in any kind of pen or anything like that, just like, mm. In the barn he goes, and about this time I would say he was about the size of a volleyball, maybe. Uh-huh. You know, so not too big. Well, we also had chickens at the time, and the roosters were less than impressed with their new neighbor, and they ran him straight off into the weeds, never to be seen again. So, uh, that's too bad. Yeah. So there's my story. There's my. There's the, and thus yeah, there, begins and ends my wildlife uh, raising stories. Yeah, I had a lot of little little goofy critters, and um, my grandfather is a horse trainer, so he taught me how to train horses and cattle dogs. And then I got into falconry in my teens. That's cool. And uh, and I did all that. What, Chica? You eat your food. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> What's You're all done? Yes. Oh, good job. Go, okay, go ask mommy. Go see mommy, please, treat. No, that way. That way. Go that way. I love you. <laughs> well, um, that, that's not the cutest thing ever. <laughs> she is so cute. Um, so, oh yeah, so I flew hawks in high school as a teenager, and that that got me kind of on the track of thinking about hunting with wild predators. I was kind of for, for other people that's such a bizarre, you know, what, why would you just think of hunting with a random wild predator? But when you've already done it with another species in an, you know several thousand year old uh, 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 sport, then it it's not that weird you know <laughs> you kind right. of start daydreaming huh, i wonder what it'd be like to hunt with this i know it'd be like to hunt with that so what happened with me was i 
I didn't initially have any goals of hunting or fishing with one. I just, um, I, I moved next to a mink farm when I was in senior year in high school and I didn't really know what a mink was. I mean, I knew it was a member of the weasel family, but that was about it. So I started asking around, you know, what's a mink? And everyone told me the same thing. Oh, they're the meanest, most vicious, most horrible creature alive. You can't tame them. You can't train them and they kill everything. So me as a kind of cocky teenager with lots of animal experience thought, well, I bet I could do it, you know? So that was really my only goal was I wanted to see if I could do it. It's supposed to be impossible. I want to see if I could, you know, find some way to make it possible. So I, um, that was just kind of a, a casual goal of mine. It wasn't, wasn't like a passion or anything. It was just a curiosity. I should say more rather than a goal. It was a, it was a random curiosity of mine. So I found a random mink that escaped, which is pretty common. They're really clever and love to escape. It escaped from the farmers, wandered around the fields and I, I caught it and, um, tamed it and it really wasn't that big of a deal. Um, pretty soon, you know, other people started seeing me with this little tame mink and their reaction was, uh, was usually really impressed. Like, wow, that's crazy. You can't believe you did that. But I ran into a guy that wasn't so impressed. He's like, yeah, well, you've got a blue mink. Blue mink are the easy ones to tame. You can never do that with a black mink. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I am off to try with the black one now, you know. There's always that guy, and, um, right? There's always got to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I, 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 I'm doing the, I don't know if you've seen my monitor lizard deal that I'm, experiment that I'm on. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. Okay, so I've recently tried. Is that on your thing, channel? Curiosity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where I'm, I'm basically, that. I've tamed a monitor lizard and I'm trying to hunt with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, m- most people think it's super cool because it's pretty unique, but you get some wisecracking guy without fail who has to come on and bash it. And it's like, well, what have you done? Like, exactly. Well, well, you know, I've, I trained my lizard to come to me from its enclosure before too. You're not doing anything unique at all. Okay, dude, go turn yours out in a field. Oh no, that would be irresponsible. You're just irresponsible. I mean, they turn it a, a negative way yeah, every right. way. They yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and enough, enough about people like that. They're always going to exist <laughs> and we just need to ignore them. So I ran into that guy, you know, right, right. <laughs> and, and so I thought, well, hey, maybe he's got a point. I'll try a black one. And so because everyone kind of saw me as the mink guy, because I walked around with the tame mink on my shoulder, you know, they're like, someone, you know, eventually came the time someone found one in their garage and they didn't know how to get rid of it. And so they called me, hey, Joe, there's a mink in my garage. Can you come help? So I went over and it happened to be black. I'm like, oh, cool. Now I can try this black idea. You know, supposedly they're meaner. So I caught it, and man, I had such an easy time taming the first one. I thought, you know what? Let's try a completely different tactic and see if it's better or if I just happened to stumble upon the right method the first time or what. So I tried something totally different, and man, it bombed bad. Like, (laughs) 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 it blew up in my face. It did not work even a little bit. And so I was like, oh, okay, okay. So there is something to it. You just got to use the right method. I, I stumbled upon the right method, whether it was wisdom on my part or pure luck, I, I will never know. But whatever reason, I stumbled on, on a, a decent method the first time, and the second method was just horrible. 
so anyway, long story short, I, I ended up kind of, um, I don't know if I want to say perfecting my methods, but improving my methods over time with various different mink of various different origins and colors and genders and kind of every different. Did you end up, you did you of. end up taming that black one? Did you go back to like, did you, you're like, okay, this isn't no, working. I, I'm going to go back to the, the way I did it before. I ended up scrapping it with that particular okay. one. Like I made her so mean with my method that like, well, she was mean anyway, but I, like I encouraged said meanness <laughs> so okay. much. I, and, um, then, and I ended up running into another one that I had to rescue. Um, some kids were like poking at it in a pile on a, of sticks or, or, or of logs with sticks. And I was pretty sure they were going to kill it. So I went and saved that one. And I only had so many cages and I was like, well, this one's kind of rotten right now. And I've got this new one to try. Let's try another experiment and we'll let the one out that I've had for a couple weeks and put some food out and see if she'll come back kind of like a cat does. And I was like, and if, and if I'm wrong and it didn't work, well, you know, she's back in the same position I found her in. It's not like I, right. Right. Yeah. And I learned that that's not a good idea. I don't just let them go. They're not going to come back. So anyway, I figured, eh, let's try it. So I let her out just below her cage. There was a, it was right next to a shed. So she had a nice little cozy place she could go. I could leave food and water out for her. It would be really comfortable. And she was familiar with the place. She'd been there for several weeks. So I figured if she's ever going to stay, this is a great opportunity for her to stay. That didn't work. She just left. And was gone. <laughs> um, but the mail, the mail that I put in her new cage ended up being what made me fall in love with me. Because before this, they were just kind of a, a novelty. He was such a personality. His name was Rascal. And he played with everything. If you put something novel in his cage, it was the coolest thing ever. It could be a stupid rock, a piece of plant, a soccer ball. It didn't matter. It was so cool to him because it was new and interesting. And um, oh, I just fell in love with Mink with him because he was so playful and so interesting. And and I, I tamed him using a very similar method to my first, but I added food reward. And it worked so much better than even the first method. It, it um he did great i mean he was an easy thing to work with too but that that definitely helped but but he did have aggression side if, if you if you messed with him the wrong way he definitely would would get aggressive um but he, if you did things right he was just happy-go-lucky pretty cool little animal that's um, so cool and he's what made me fall in love with me but the other two was just like i said it was a novelty thing it was like oh this is new and interesting that he was so cool and so clever. And while I had him, um, oh, and by the way, the blue mink, blue colored mink have really bad immune systems. And she actually died only a month or two or three. I think it was like two or three months after getting her. Oh, she, wow. got, uh, she got sick and died. But that's actually pretty normal with that color strain for them to just randomly like, die or get sick huh. out of the blue. Uh, out of the blue. Is that, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, see what no you did there. Intended. But <laughs> well, like the, if you, my friend who's a mink farmer, he always says, yeah, those blue mink die every time the wind blows. Like they just, they're just flimsy little animals. Yeah. Was that because so, of like the breeding that are like, I'm guessing like inbreeding to, to keep that no color? It's, no. It's actually directly related to the color. So you could go find a random fluke wild blue mink and it will be sickly compared to. Huh. Uh, a normal, naturally colored so zoom. Must be tied so to I'm something sure with the there pigment. Is, yeah, there's something in there. 
and, and there's most mink colors, oddly enough. So like dogs could be any color you want and they only certain colors do they have any health problems at all. Like, like deafness with right. dogs who have wide ears and things like that. With a few exceptions, it doesn't matter if your dog's black or red or yellow, you know, but with mink, the farther they get from their natural color, they tend to have more and more health issues. And certain colors weigh wow. more than others. That's super so interesting. It's, it's it's really weird for me that color and health seem to be very closely correlated, um, and it's not just an inbreeding thing. Um, it's I'm sure there there might be something to do with some inbreeding, like for example, uh, pastel mink. It is inbreeding related why they get what's called screw neck. But others, it doesn't Ugh. matter how much you outcross. That sounds it. terrible. Even even the um, even the homozygous individuals that look brown, if they carry that blue gene, or heterozygous, I think I said homo, I meant hetero. Even the heterozygous individuals who look brown but carry the blue gene, which is recessive, they are less uh, uh, strong and healthy as a homozygous brown, the natural wild Huh. So, so it's something to do with the gene itself. Has it's, there, it's really are you aware of any studies that, that look into that at all? Um, oh yeah, is there's, there's lots doing of work studies. on that. Oh okay. Oh yeah, that mink have been studied in great detail on certain aspects, but other aspects not at all. Which I've kind of studied the aspects where little to no effort has been made. But as far as genetics for 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 production purposes, which health obviously is something a farmer cares about, right? Um, that has been studied a great deal, and they they show that it is directly linked to the color. It's not a a case of just bottlenecking or, or inbreeding for the color itself. It is directly, it, it, at least in the case of blue mink. Um, whereas other mink, like I mentioned, screw neck and pastel mink, it does appear that it can be resolved with proper outcrossing and getting a fresh gene pool. Um, but, but other colors, it doesn't seem to help. Um, like those black and white spotted mink that people love uh, to you know, oogle over, they're probably the least healthy of all the mink. They, they go blind, they go deaf, they wow. die young. Like, it's just an unfortunate thing with mink. And so you'll see that the overwhelming majority of mink I own are either black or brown. I don't mess with those other colors, um, typically speaking. Sure. Huh. That's wild. Mm. Learning stuff. That, that, that was nowhere, <laughs> anywhere near on my radar of, of things. I mean, I knew they bred them for different colors for, you know, their furs and stuff, but I had no idea that there was, like, a direct okay, health. Okay, mommy. Daddy's on the phone, okay? I love you. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is It is rather unique because, I mean, there are definitely um, cases, you know, like mice, they have certain lethal colors, and, and dogs, like, certain colors might go deaf, and certain colors with horses, you know. But it's very specific colors. It's not like all colors other than their natural one, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, right? Um, um, it's not like all the colors are unhealthy, but one. <laughs> right, yeah, right, 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 right. With with other animals, it's like all the colors are healthy except for one. Whereas mink, it seems to be all the other colors are unhealthy. And I'm sure there's others. I'm not. I, it's really kind of inaccurate for me to say all of, but I. It seems like more are unhealthy than our, our normally than the not normal colored mink, I should say. That's interesting. So, so. 
right. and and I just haven't experimented to find out which ones are and which ones aren't. I'm right, like, dude, I'm not gonna. Well, who wants to? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's not a game I want to play. No, well, there's a lot of people that doesn't who want sound like to, fun. Actually. Well, I mean, if you're people a scientist, love, people I mean... are obsessed with color. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> people are obsessed with color. I'm not. I'm not. I'm like, you know what? The, the color I want is the one who gets the job done and and lives a long, healthy life. Right, exactly. End of story. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. They are. I mean, you've got a lizard, so you know, I mean, if you're into the whole herpetology world, you know, all the different designer colors of every make, model of lizard oh, yeah. and snake you can think of is out there. So, yeah, yeah. people, you know, they're constantly people trying to make new ones. People are more than happy to trade. Yeah, and people are more than happy to help to trade health for unique cool colors all day long. Well, like, they, they've done it with dogs. World, they've done it with dogs, too. Bad I mean, you know, it's, yeah. you know shrink them down shrink their noses flatten them out you know for pugs and bulldogs and whatever else and they come with yeah they come with the health issues but they look cool so <laughs> it's like all right yeah but all right back it's to so the funny. back to the mink all right so we got black ones we got the brown ones the natural ones those are those tend to be the healthiest i mean there's there's you could get a just like anything you can get a sickly individual of any color and you could find a healthy individual of any color Generally speaking, if you're running the numbers, that's kind of the, the trend. Is the brown and the black tend to be healthier, um, especially the brown, because the black is really just a dark, dark, dark brown that looks black. He's, they're actually genetically the same thing. Oh, okay, so, so they're, they're not, not actually, actually like melanistic. They're just... Yeah, they're not really technically speaking a mutation. Well, they, I mean, they are, but they'd be a multitude of little mutations. Sure. Right. 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 Um, right. Because it's not like one gene, like they're not blue or brown. They're several shades, you know, uh, let's just say it's half a dozen genes. It's probably right. more than that, but yeah. half a dozen different genes to get black. I guess. So if you breed, if you breed a pure, pure, pure black mink to a wild brown colored mink, the baby's going to be somewhere in between. He's not going to be either black or brown. He'll be dark brown. Sure. You know? I gotcha. I gotcha. And then if you breed it again, it'll just be a lighter brown or darker brown, depending on which breed it is. You know? Sure. All right. So, well, we'll get back to the how yeah, you're so transitioning into hunting with them. The transition. So the transition came in with, with this rascal mink. He was so cool, fun. Um, my biology teacher said, my wildlife biology teacher said to me, hey, you know, they catch uh fish and crayfish and stuff underwater i'm like oh really he's like yeah they're kind of like a mini otter i'm like no way that would be cool to see so i started you know throwing uh i put a fish tank in in the big enclosure that i had for him and i'd put little fish in there and watch him catch it and thought that was so cool and um one day i got a book uh, it was probably six months into owning this snake so it was, i'd had him for a while um I got a book called a sporting chance and it's this kind of, uh, brief overview of various different primitive ways of hunting. Some of which involved animals. Others were like, you know, blow, blow guns and boomerangs and bolas and, and stuff like that. But some of the stuff was, you know, hunting with various different animals. Some of it was silly. It wasn't really like traditional. Like they have like, I kid you not, they have hunting with toads in there. What? <laughs> the guy got big old, I think they were cane toads. Don't quote me on that. He got big old cane toads 
and hunted like mice with them or something. <laughs> but, but just uh, okay. super bizarre stuff like that. You have to get the book and check it out. It's, it's interesting. Um, and he doesn't go into tons of detail. Like a, it's not a how-to book. It's kind of sure. more of a, a novelty book. Like there is some how-to aspects, of course. They're kind of what have to be. But it's not a detailed how-to on, on any of the subjects. Um, some of the actual, I, sh- I take that back. Some of the primitive tools, there was quite a bit more how-to than the animals, like how to train a dog to do this or that. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. So in in the conglomerate of crazy hunting methods, you know, various different methods of hunting with dogs and and cheetahs and birds of prey and all that stuff. In that conglomerate, conglomerate there was uh, um, fishing with otters and cormorants as well as ferreting. And the guy, the author of the book, he, he wasn't doing the traditional European ferreting. He was an American trying to ferret with stuff here in America. So he, um, and he talked about other old time ferreters uh, in America, kind of historically speaking. He didn't really get into the actual traditional ferreting of, of rabbits like they do in Europe so much. But he, he described his experience with ferrets in great detail. He went out, caught some rats, barn rats with his ferrets, and it was great fun, and it worked great. Um, he then explained or described a really interesting experience that kind of perked my interest. He took his ferrets, and he tried to hunt um, muskrats with them. He had a little backyard pond where the muskrats were wreaking havoc, digging up his lawn and things like that. So he thought, oh. Well, they're just like big barn rat. I'll see if I can flush them with my little ferrets, and then I'll, I'll shotgun them in the water when they come, you know, popping out of their holes. So he puts his ferrets down the, the, the muskrat holes, and just all heck breaks loose. They like, um, they like split the head open on, on one of his ferrets, and like the other one almost drowns. It just, it just doesn't end well for the yeah, ferrets. Yeah, those muskrats are pretty tenacious little creatures in their own right. Oh, they're very tenacious. And yeah. from what I've heard with other ferreters, because I've talked to at least two or three other ferreters um, since reading that, and they say, yeah, it's it's a death sentence for the ferret. Wow. But you can get it to work short term. Like It's not like the first day it's not going to work out. You can go out and do it two or three times, two or three dozen times maybe, if you've got the right ferret. But eventually it's not going to work eventually you'll run into the wrong muskrat what's odd is that i thought you know the mink thing you know when you start talking about taming them i'm like well they're not that different from a ferret so i don't know why they would be that hard to tame you know i've known people that have had pet ferrets and whatever and for some reason i never made the i i knew that they used ferrets for hunting uh but for some reason in making that connection to why wouldn't you tame a mink or why couldn't you tame a mink when ferrets, I didn't make the connection of the hunting. So that, that that's a, I guess I can see where you would get the inspiration to, to try it with the mink. Yeah. Seems to make sense. And the ferrets, I mean, if you, if you think about it, ferrets are kind of like a dog. They've been domesticated for well over a thousand years. Some, some people estimate 2000 years of domestication. Wow. Whereas a ferret, a mink has not, really been domesticated as far as the handling aspect sure they've been raised on fur farms for you know like 100 years or so um but there was zero there is little to none selection for tameness 
they're being selected for fur qualities, size, right. yeah, sure, big litters, color, coats, things like stuff. that. Yeah, um, they're they're highly highly aggressive on the farm. Just to the, it's not. Sometimes it seems like more aggressive than the like a wild cotton mink would be. Um, they have changed a little bit in that they're they're more confident around humans, but that doesn't make them friendlier around humans. Their their confidence actually, in a way, makes them more aggressive because they haven't lost their aggression but they've lost some of their fear if that makes sense so they're a little bit they're a little bit i would say dangerous than a wild mink because they've lost some of their fear with none of their aggression yeah yeah that's a bad combo that could be a problem but, um, <laughs> yeah so when i read this back to the ferrets um and, and then another quick side note my belief without any experience, and this comes from other people's experience, so it's not total shot in, the, shot in the dark. The ancestor, the wild ancestor to the ferret is considerably easier to handle than the wild ancestor to the mink or, or a ranch mink or any mink. I should, it's like I a black-footed ferret? Ancestor. No, it's a different species. They're called uh, polecats. So okay. The European polecat is the wild, is, well, one of the wild ancestors to the domestic ferret. And they are, according to people who've handled both, notably easier to handle than a mink. Okay. And notably more difficult to handle than a ferret. So a ferret comes from an easier to handle animal and have 2,000 years of domestication. So, of course, they're easy. Right, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. They've, they've got everything going for them. They've the got work has been to, done. Well, not easy. I shouldn't say easy, but an easier to handle than an uh, ancestor that's had, you know, 1,000 years of work on it. So um, when I heard about this little episode with the guy and his ferret and man, that was a, a fiasco, I thought, well, my mink would eat a ferret alive. Like I was just assuming. I never. You know, sure. But I just assumed I was like, dude, my ferret, my mink could eat a ferret alive. He's so much more aggressive, so much more powerful, so much quicker. Uh, so much more fierce, like everything I'd had ferrets before. I, I, I knew this. I, you just blow a ferret out of the water. I'll bet you my mink could take a muskrat. And so that was just kind of a little thought planted in my head when I read that. And then when I read about the otter catching fish, I was like, well, my mink catches fish in his fish tank. And supposedly they do it in the wild. I wonder if I could train my mink like this guy's training an otter. And it just kind of, one thing led to another, I started to daydream about it. You know, huh. Dude, what could it not do? So for the first time in this whole mink experience, I started studying mink. I actually had done, I mean, usually I study in, in great detail and I acquire it. I, I didn't jump into falconry without knowing about birds of prey. I knew tons about birds of prey before I ever got my first bird. And and the same with my first dog and the same with you know everything. I, I researched it. But for whatever reason, I didn't research mink until after I already had like three <laughs> different animals. So... I then dove into researching mink. What do mink do in the wild? And I found out, lo and behold, they actually hunt muskrats. That's one of their natural prey items. And of course, I reconfirmed what my wildlife biology teacher, yeah, they do catch, uh, uh, taught me. Yeah, they do catch fish. They do catch crayfish and stuff underwater. So it got me thinking, man, I wonder what I could do with one of these little creatures. What, what could I, uh, could I really hunt with one? You know, would it be that cool if you, did or would it just disappear like how would it work and anyway i just kind of started daydreaming about it 
And, you know, one thing led to another. I started experimenting with it. And um, it, it, it was a lot of years of trial and error, and it still is. It's not over. I still trial and error every single year. I try something a little bit different from last year. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's been – I got my first mink in 2003. And funny, so with that, 17 years of experimentation. <laughs> Hmm. So, are you do you breed them at all? Like, are you are you, or have you put yeah. thought into like, well, breed them for traits? You know, much like they did the ferrets or do the dogs. I, mean, I did. I so for the first oh, fifteen years. I don't know. Anyway, fourteen, fifteen, thirteen years, whatever. I'd, I'd have to figure out the date I started. But for the first, the overwhelming majority of the time, I did not breed anything. I would just um, acquire a mink from mink farm, tame it, train it, or raise it from a baby, depending on what age I got it, and, you know, go hunting with it. It wasn't until a few years ago when I, I happened upon a uh, really cool mink. Well, actually, happened, there was a couple different events, but, but I ended up getting a really cool girl I named Fang. She was an awesome hunter. I actually put some effort into picking her. I didn't just like blindly pick one at the farm. I made quite a bit of effort. I'll save you the time and just say I made a lot of effort to get (laughs) get a good one. And um, I have a series about process. So if you want to dive into that, check out the series. But but anyway, I I raised this individual. She ended up being a phenomenal hunting companion. She was everything I could ask for. She was a good friend with me and, and easy to handle wasn't super aggressive towards other people um she she brought back what she caught what i call which is a very difficult thing to teach an animal but she learned it uh, or i should say a mink i shouldn't say an animal some animals do it naturally yeah right with yeah. a mink it's incredibly difficult and time consuming to train unless you get really lucky and you get one of these fluke individuals that just learn it uh, easily but she wasn't a fluke she took a lot of work to train that but she did get to the point where she was very consistent and she was very easy to handle very uh willing to bring things back once she was trained and she, and the, the one thing about her that she was awesome with was hunting muskrats she was just an absolute killer on muskrats she was also a real good fishing geek. and um man i just loved this mink. she was so awesome and i was just as pleased as I could be for one day, just out hunting. There was a unfortunate event where um, a lady came around the corner on a bike and we were on a bike trail and scared her and she ran off in the bushes and I, I never found her again. Oh no. And um, you know, mink, they're wild animals. You startle them and their training goes out the window for a few moments to a few hours, depending on how bad they're startled. Sure. And she was startled long enough that I, wasn't able to recover and, and she went into some really really thick thick reeds where uh she could have been two inches in front of me i couldn't have seen her you know? sure she's just just instantly gone oh that sucks and she never came back and she was really solid so i thought for sure and, and oh to make it worse it wasn't somewhere she was familiar with so if she was familiar with the area she probably would have made her back way back home or back to the car she was that solid. She, I, I lost her before and found her back at the car waiting for me. Um, but she was very unfamiliar with the area wow. and it was a place 
where we were out of town. So it wasn't like I could keep coming there over and over again. We had to return home eventually. And it it was several states away. So I couldn't just like drive back weekends and check. Like it was, it was, we leave, we're not coming back. She actually fetched. So you said she would kill a muskrat or catch fish and bring it to you? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, she's still a wild animal. There was times when she didn't, but the overwhelming majority of the time she did. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That's pretty sweet, so, but terrible that she. Yeah, it's super sweet. It's, lost it's incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult to teach him to do that. Um, usually, I, I say that I've had a couple fluke mink that were just really easy to train, but the overwhelming majority, including her, were are very difficult to train. And she was she was above average. She was easier to train than most. Once she was trained, she was pretty consistent. But it did take a lot of work. It took a lot of work. But yeah, it was such a devastating loss for me because, I mean, she was my best buddy. She was, you know, very efficient at what I wanted her to do. So from a, from a logical standpoint, it was a huge loss. From an emotional standpoint, it was a huge loss. It was just super frustrating. And that's what in, what in basically uh, me to finally start a breeding program was like, who knows how many years it'll be before I get another one like her. I need to make my own luck you know <laughs> right uh i need to find a way to make it more consistent and so i several years back started a breeding program and i've been doing it ever since where i selectively breed for uh, hunting traits and tameness isn't really something i focus on very much at all it's mostly hunting yeah i mean you know, i don't think you'd want to lose that fire you know as far yeah, as like having no, to take on the muskrats like uh you start yeah. you start going with the milder ones, you might lose some of that, you know? You could, but you don't necessarily will. Like, I've had some really mild mink absolute killers. And hmm. I've had some really wild mink who are absolute cowards. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it's not a for sure thing. It, it's it's not correlated is really what it okay, comes down Okay, I got gotcha. you. Could have, All right, fair enough. But here's the thing. It's one more thing you have to select for, that, and that's going to water down your fire. So, so you're right. It'll water down your fire, but not because you're selecting for it. It's just a selected for color or some other non-correlating trait. I'm going to water down my ability because I'm focusing on a non, on uh, a redundant feature, sure, I like got size you. or color or in this case tameness. It, it's it's correlated with hunting ability. So I'm just I'm I'm basically with mediocre individuals because they have a trait that I want that's unrelated. So I'm not willing to do that. I just focus on ability, hunting ability. I gotcha. And if they happen to be tame, it's definitely a plus, and I'll probably breed them a little bit more, but but it's not a focus. Makes sense. So. Do you have some sort of like um, – yeah. is this like you basically run like a, a mink farm, or do you need have have like a mink farm license, or like are there any in Idaho – you're in Idaho, right? Am I get that right? I mean Utah. Utah. All right, I was close. I mean Utah. Utah and we we don't have. Yeah, you were super close. Yeah, we don't have any um, much for that here. Special it's, it's, regs it's like for mink. Chicken. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. if you could have here, mink in Minnesota. Even in the city, hmm. even in the city here, it's just like having a chicken or a cow. You just have to be zoned properly. Oh, okay. My city has zoning, and they let me have X number of mink within my property, and as long as I don't go beyond that limit, 
and you're good to go. Cool. All right. But there's no license. Okay. If you're in Minnesota, I'll bet you they don't have very, they have very lenient or no laws about it because Minnesota's one of the bigger meat farming states. Did you say Minnesota? Yes, I did. Yes. Yes, I did. Oh, that would be interesting. It's probably very, very lenient. Okay. Oh, I would assume. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure. They're, we're real big on like fees and licenses and permits. So, oh, <laughs> uh, you are, you are a liberal state, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like the tax yeah. things here. <laughs> yeah, if you're a liberal state, then sometimes when it makes sense, it's still right. controlled. When it doesn't make sense, I <laughs> right. Meant to say. Right. So, so like Illinois, for example, was a decent fur farming state, but they still require a license. You know, like you said, just for the tax collection purposes. Yeah, I would. Um, but it's be really, really easy surprised to obtain. If there wasn't some sort of permit that you needed, I would be super surprised, actually, in the state. Yeah. But. Yeah. All right. So, um, we're because we're still kind of getting into the hunting thing. Like the first time you took one out, and you're like, "I'm gonna go try to get a muskrat," and like, how did that first, the first event go? Like, were you nervous? Like, when you're gonna release it? Like this thing might just take off no i wasn't i i'd already played around for quite some time with just getting them to come back i i i had some mishaps so i'd actually gone through a couple different mink where i had them totally solid coming back but we didn't get to the hunting stage um like i had one that i raised from a baby and it it just wasn't mature enough to catch anything but it was running free all the time not i mean supervised but he was running free uh, on a daily basis and coming back. Um, she unfortunately contracted a disease that unknown to me at the time could have been prevented. I found out like right after she died. Oh, that was helpful. But um, she got what's called botulism. Um, mink being a, a voracious predator, their system only handles very fresh meat, just like humans. Okay. Um, they're not a well, I, I shouldn't even say just like humans. Humans actually handle aged meat better than mink do. Um, we're a little more of a scavenger than they are. And um, even with our fragile immune systems, mink actually are more fragile. <laughs> um, um, anyway, it, it, she she can she contracted botulism from a dead duck that found. She was just playing with it. I don't think she was even trying to consume it. She was just kind of playing mm-hmm. with it but getting it in her mouth was enough that she got sick and died. Um, and so I, I'd already had a mink and she was just at the age where she was just starting to hunt, but she'd already spent, you know, over a month of her life every day being loose and coming back. So I was really comfortable and familiar with that process of training them to come back before I ever caught any wild game. Um, but how it went the first time we went out, I took them to a place where I knew there were some fish, the was clear it looked pretty shallow and, and and straightforward it was a little city park actually oddly enough and um it which actually i don't remember being nervous but maybe i was a little nervous about losing them but that city park was ideal because being a city park the banks were all cleared and you know you could see where your animal was going and it was open so you didn't have to worry about them just disappearing um and if they went down a hole you just wait for them to come back out because sure. I mean, there's nowhere to go Right, they got to come out eventually. Right. So, um, it, and maybe I was nervous, and that maybe that's why I started there. I don't recall, to be honest, being nervous. You might have been right. 
Um, but I took, I took my mink there. My, I had a, at this point, I'd actually recruited a couple guys, not on purpose. They recruited me. They, they bugged me until I helped them get a mink. Basically. Um, I told them for the first, actually several years of them bugging me guys like, look, these things are vicious. These things are difficult. They are not the cute little fun animals. You think they are forget it. But they kept bugging me until finally I was like, okay, you know what? If you really want to try that bad, come on, let's go try it together. And we all got to meet the same time and kind of raised them together. Oh, that's cool. So anyway, so I had these, these two buddies, Alex Smith and uh, Jake Barrows, and they both got a mink and I had a mink and we all went out together on the first day. Hey, let's see if we could do this. And we went to a park and we obviously had tons of training behind the mink before we did this. So they, we already knew the mink would come when we called and such and so forth. So we put the mink down in this little park and we were hoping to catch a fish and man, we just had this trouble. They just kept going after rats instead. <laughs> there were rats in the city park and they burrowed into the, into the banks. There was muskrats and brown rats, both. So the, what most people think of when they say rat, the little city rats or right, yeah. rats, whatever you want to Correct. call them. They were, they were there from eating dirt, uh, uh, bread from the ducks and such. And they were living in these burrows in the bank along with uh, occasional muskrats that, that had dug their own burrows as well. And so our mink were chasing those all the time instead of chasing the fish. And so I realized, well, first off, mink are more interested in and more natural hunters of rodents than they are fish. And chasing rodents like rats and muskrats is actually a lot more fun than I realized. Maybe I ought to pursue that. And so I kind of switched mid mid gear um, from focusing on trying to catch fish like, like I read about with the otter to focusing on catching mammals. Um, and it was basically the mink got me to switch. They're like, hey, dude, we like hunting these rats. Yeah, right. We like chasing fish. <laughs> you go fishing, so, bro. So we, we focused on the rats and the rodents and the squirrels and things like that um, after that. And um, it actually, I don't think I really started fishing with a mink until, did I really start fishing? I think it was years later after I'd had a bunch of more, a bunch of success on mammals. Um, and it probably was on accident. I don't recall the first real fishing that we did like successful wild caught, like completely sure. natural where the meat went and caught a fish. I don't actually recall, but it was probably on accident while we were fishing for, where, where we were hunting for muskrats, is my guess. Sure. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we ended up, um, chasing, totally what we didn't expect and um yeah i just kind of went from there well, we went walk from the rat hunt walk through to, like uh, a catch squirrels okay walk, walk through a hunt like um you know like what species uh for uh, like a muskrat like you're gonna go do a muskrat hunt okay. you you grab are you just bringing one mink you got like a backup mink like, <laughs> so yeah, it depends. I mean, if if you're doing pest control, you'll probably want a couple individuals in case you know something happens. You need to. Oh, like you like you get like people struggling. hire you to take out muskrats. Yeah. Okay. So so let's go back to that first park that I got. That okay. I hunting, All right. Right. <laughs> okay. So we we had a bunch of fun. We caught a bunch of rats. Actually, come to think of it, the first hunt we caught all the rats. I don't know that the mink caught more than one rat, but anyway, that is that's neither here nor there. Um. And I can't remember very well anyway. So no matter what I said, it might have been different. <laughs> um, so we were hunting at this park 
a couple different times because, of course, we had great success the first time. We're going to go back. So we're there purposely hunting rats this time. And some guy, you know, nosy guy, starts bugging us. Hey, you're not supposed to be bothering the animal. Oh, Look at the sign. The sign says no bothering the animals. I'm like, dude, like, you know that apply to rats. Well, the sign doesn't specify, you know, one of those. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, go away. Like, if you're so bothered by it, call the police. Like, you have no freaking authority to say anything. You're not my dad. Like, go away, man. So he calls the police and the police show up. And I'm like, and I actually, when I saw the police pull up, I went up and, and walked, walked right up to him. I was like, hey, this guy's freaking harassing us for doing a public service. Can you go get him off our back? And she's like, what? Like, what the heck? You know, because we're right. not ones who called, you know. And we're like, this guy's harassing us. Like, we're cleaning up the park of rats, and he's giving us a hard time. Go go tell him to get lost. And she's like, okay, I'll go talk to him. So she went and talked to him. And then she comes back to us, and she's like, well, technically, the sign doesn't specify. I'm like, ma'am, you and I both know the sign does not apply to rats. Come on. Like, are you serious? Well, I'm not the one to make the decisions because I'm just following. I'm like, okay, well, obviously, you're not. So who makes the decisions? Give me their number. Let me call them. And I didn't say it in a rude matter. I'm kind sure. of saying it with an attitude here, but I was polite and, and, and I was straightforward. I wasn't backing down, but I wasn't, I wasn't rude. Anyway, so she hooked me up with the phone number of the guy that was in charge. And of course it was like a weekend or something. So they weren't in, but I caught, she made us leave. So we left and I call up, uh, went in work days, you know, work hours. I call up the, the guy in charge of the park district and I, uh, the, the city parks. So I call him up. I'm like, Hey, you know, we uh, we were catching rats in the park. The, someone complained that the rules didn't allow that. And anyway, yada, yada. I explained the, the situation. And he said, oh, well, that's really cool. Yeah, we'd love to get the rats out of there. Um, let me uh, let me just talk with the with a couple people that, that are hires up, and uh, I'll get back to you. So he calls me back, and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. We're not going to be able to let you do that. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I'd love to have you catch those rats, but but it's a liability. Our, the lawyer said that, you know, we can't have you doing that. I'm like, okay, come on, dude. Like, tell me, tell me this. If you're paying guys to get rid of those rats, cause I know you are, I found a smoke bomb shoved up, you know, professional, like yeah, pest control right. smoke bomb shoved up in one of the rat holes. You're paying a guy to come get rid of these rats. And he's obviously not doing his job. Like whether it's his fault or not, it's not getting done. There's tons of rats there. Right. He's like, you're right we're paying someone. You're right. There's rats all over and hasn't done anything to fix it. And I said, so why are you willing to pay him to do a job? You won't let us do for free. And he's like, well, because it's a liability if you do it for free. I'm like, so it's not a liability. He's like, no, cause he's, he's, he's a business guy and he's got a business license. I'm like, okay, if I get a business license, can I do it? He's like, license, I'll fire him and hire you. I said, done deal. This license. And uh, he said, okay, I want to see what you're doing first. So, so take me out. Show me what you do. So we went out. Stuck that hole. A rat popped out. I caught one in the net. The mink caught one herself. And uh, he shook her hands, and away we went. We we were contracted wow. with the city to once a month show up at the park and catch rats. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> he was my first client. He's been my client. Or not he. A guy I deal with. But the city's been my client. For the last, like, what did we figure out? It's been like seven years or something like that. Um, wow. That's awesome. Now. 2020 now. 
So for the last eight years, it's, he's been our client. <laughs> and every month we have to go catch rats at the park, whether we like it or not. Oh, man. <laughs> That's pretty wicked, though. That's pretty sweet. And we get paid for it. So That's even better. <laughs> and you know yeah. the city's not going to be coming after you. Like, that's awesome. Call the cops now, kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. That's yep. pretty And good. that's the best part is honestly not even the money. It's the fact that people could bug us. And we're like, hey, we work for the city. Get out of here. Like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So do you do it, um, is it like primarily professional now or do you do it oh, yeah. as a pastime? I, I'm full-time now, so it's it's no longer a pastime as a career. So most of my money, though, to be honest, doesn't come from the pest control jobs. What? I mean, they sure uh, help. crazy career. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you're telling me it's a full-time <laughs> What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. I'm going I'm gonna, to I'm gonna, uh, control rap appellations with a mink. What? What? That's normal. It's right? like some. It's it's seriously like some video gamer kid who gets paid to play video games, or some basketball player who gets played paid to play basketball. That's yeah. exactly what happened. That's crazy. It's, That's awesome. I got in the NBA. The NBA of mink. <laughs> the NBA like, of, I get paid of very well Meekenry. to do exactly what I would have done anyway. <laughs> that's that's outstanding, dude. That's a great story. That's awesome. That's pretty oh, sweet. It's freaking. So you said that's not yeah, your main. You better believe I dreamed about it. That's not your I dreamed main. Dreamed about it for years. Form of income. What What else do you do? Uh, yeah. So, um, I do my YouTube videos, and that actually pays the bills more than the pest control. Is that right? I mean, I'm not too su- surprised. I have it pulled up right now, and it you have nine hundred and seventy seven thousand subscribers. Like yeah, nine hundred seventy seven. Dangerously close yep. to a million. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's mind blowing, dude. So, how long have you been putting these videos on YouTube? So, I started it 100% just to document this very unique thing I was doing taming the untamable animal and then teaching them to hunt. So, I when I first tamed them, there was no YouTube. YouTube, I, well, maybe it existed, but I didn't know of it. Um, back in 2003, I don't, I don't know. When did YouTube start? You know, it doesn't matter. I have no idea. But, um, the internet barely existed back then. Um, I mean, for public use, um, having the internet in your home was, was a brand new kind of a uppity thing. Like, Ooh, you have the internet back when I got started. Um, I remember going to my neighbor's house to use the internet, like (laughs) not very long before, I got into mink. So, so the mink, we got the internet and maybe a year or a few months even before I got my first mink. Cause I remember looking up hunting with mink. I was like, well, has anyone ever done this before? And so I'd like search it. It was probably before Google. So I'd have been using like Yahoo. Like, yeah, I don't right. know what I was using. Yeah. Yeah. AOL search. Probably, probably Yahoo or AOL search. Like you said, I don't even remember. Uh, what, what was that funny dog one? Geico, oh, go get it or whatever. Yeah, what uh, was, what was that the one? name? Geico? No, not Geico. That's the Gecko. Um, Light, Lipo. I don't. I can't remember. Oh, anyway. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's gonna bug me now. Uh, ah, anyways, dang it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. I was I was into mink before internet was that big. Um, so there was no YouTube, and I didn't. And also, filming equipment was expensive. Um, it wasn't like on your phone, you know, right. it was, you had to go buy a camera and then it sucked. So it was just blurry and, and it wasn't, um, typically 
well, if it was, um, what do you call it? Digital. It was really crappy quality. The best quality was a tape and you record it on a tape. Sure. So, or a CD or disc back then. So anyway, basically to get it, what I'm getting at is I didn't do any filming when I started. There was none. I don't even have pictures of my first several. Um, but when I got my first baby mink, I got a hold of a little digital camera. I don't know when or why or how. I don't remember. I think it was my grandpa's and I was borrowing it. Come to think of it. Um, I was borrowing his digital camera and you could film these short little eight minute clips. I remember because it would shut off at eight minutes and you couldn't record anymore. Like your memory was full at eight minutes. And it was, it was probably a pretty nice camera at the time. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was, I, I wasn't into digital stuff or, or electronic stuff. So I would be pretty ignorant at that time, just as I am now. <laughs> um, but anyway, I had a camera, a digital camera. We filmed my first baby mink that I raised out on YouTube. That was back in 2008. So that was the point when I started, the point of it was to basically show people, meaning like, like people I knew and a few like strangers from out of state that were in some online groups, what I was doing and what I was experimenting with and how this was working and not working. And so I made some little videos. Here's my mink. It's so cute. He goes for a walk. He plays in the sprinkler. And then that was the one who, who passed that I mentioned that got botulism. Mm. And then, by the loss of that mink, I actually didn't have any mink for several years. Um, and I was in college too, so I had a lot going on. And then I got into mink again a couple years later, and I documented that mink. Um, and you know, the success I had with her and with some other mink I had around the same time. Anyway, so yeah, I just kind of documented it. Um, we would go out hunting or do some training and I would say, well, this is how I'm training the mink and this is how we're hunting with the mink. Um, hunting was very difficult cause I couldn't film it. So I had a guy come with me and he said, Hey, I've got this cool digital camera. It's hard, high, high, definition amazing camera man you got to go see that footage it sucks <laughs> but you know at that point it's like i got this really nice camera do you want me to film you i'm like yeah dude film me because all i have is me playing with my mink at home because i never can film hunting and so he was there for one of the first muskrat hunts um and he filmed it just just luck the guy who happened to be there on one of the first hunts and um so yeah just over the years we documented more and more and then eventually I started to make an, a conscious effort to document our hunting. Like, Hey, let's, let's bring someone who has a camera. Um, fi- finally I, I got my own camera and you know, it just kind of progressed little by little. But the point was just to show people what we were doing. This, this novel new thing that's never been done. Steps we took. These are the things we're experiencing. And, um, it just kind of grew, the videos became more consistent. The quality, of course, improved as technology improved. The availability to technology that could make those videos without spending a lot of money, because I'm really cheap, increased. The availability increased, so I started you know, getting better stuff. And eventually I got married, so then I had a cameraman on hand all the time. She'd just pop out her cell phone. Oh, there you go. Videos. And yeah, it just kind of just 
just snowballed over time. And then one day I had a video that, that got up to a hundred thousand views. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like that video has gone like semi-viral. That's awesome. And my cousin said, Hey, I have a friend who lives in his parents' basement. He was a younger cousin. I have a friend who lives in his parents' basement still. Well, he was a teenager. So of course it made sense. Right. But, but, um, he makes like $3,000 a week on YouTube. And I'm like, what? You can make money on YouTube. I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. How do you make money on YouTube? So he, he showed me how to monetize and he's like, yeah, man, I think you've lost a couple hundred bucks by not being monetized. This video should have made you like two, 300 bucks. Oh, wow. Oh man. <laughs> two, 300 bucks. You know, <laughs> Hey, are you running into imagined. are you running into any problems um, with that all, now? All the time. Okay, because like, are they uh, what are they demonetizing all your stuff? So I'm actually I can't complain. Really, I should have more of a uh, bullseye on my forehead than I do. I don't know if it's luck or if it's well, you're not using a gun, so or. <laughs> but I, I really, well, no, that that doesn't matter though. I know a guy. Have you ever heard of Mousetrap Mondays with no. uh, Sean Woods? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. How harmless is trapping mice? Right? right. You would think. He's got a freaking bullseye on his back. You wow. have no idea. If he shows a dead mouse, they jump down his throat. If he, um, like, he can't show the traps in action. He has to like blur. Wow, that's crazy. Like, when he shows dead mice, he's got it blurred. Like, it's I can show a pile of 150 dead rats with their, like, eyeballs popping out, and I don't get in trouble. This guy shows one single dead mouse, and it's, like, immediate. Well, let's just keep this on the DL so you're not, uh, so so they don't don't get on their radar. Well, there's other guys, though, that straight-up torture animals to death, and they're not on their radar. If you're in certain parts of the world, you can light a rat on fire, and wow. they won't do anything. That's crazy. But you show a dead rat who's caught, killed a humane trap, and they'll jump down your throat. Or you can kill it with a mink, and you'll be somewhere in the middle where you're not. you got a target, but not that big of a target. Oh, that's so, so weird. It, it's extremely, extremely inconsistent on YouTube. Hmm. And it seems part of it has to do with where you live, but but part of it also just has to be your haters. Sure. If there's a group who hates you, YouTube will cater to that little minority and and ignore the majority. Right. And um, the loud minority will win. So I I just uh, so far have been lucky enough that I if I have a group of haters, it's small enough that it hasn't affected my channel as much sure. as it has others. Well, that's good. So, so yes, I have had problems and I do have problems and I have to be careful with what I do. And YouTube is so inconsistent. Even if I did everything right, I'm going to have problems. Like I have a video that they demonetized because my little girl is holding a frog. And that was apparently dangerous for her to be doing. And it was reviewed by a human. This wasn't an algorithm thing where their stupid bots pulled it up. Mm-hmm. And it says right on there, reviewed by a human. We found this dangerous for the participants. Oh my God. She's literally holding a frog that, I, that, that I captured for her. So it's not like she maybe would have slipped on a rock or something. Yeah. I'm looking the water. at that one. I mean, I'm looking at the, the cover photo of it right now. It's this giant frog. That's tiny demonetized. Girl. Wow. That's demonetized right now. 47,000 views. Inappropriate. 
that's, that's considered in yeah so it's, it was actually a great video to have it happen on nobody cares nobody watches that video uh it makes me like no money i lost like 10 cents so i don't really care <laughs> but it just shows how ridiculous youtube is and the reason is is because they're they're hiring people from the most polar extreme uh, in the united states the most extreme group of people you could possibly find in the most extreme state you could possibly find there's no way they could have non-bias you you couldn't you can't right. teach bias you can't te teach not non you can't get the bias out of a group of people like that right it'd be like going to utah and hiring a bunch of uh freaking like people from a specific church who happens to be very big in utah and say hey guys don't have any religious bias right like, it's yeah. not possible, yeah, right? It's not gonna they they went on the other extreme and have the most irreligious, most out of touch like <laughs> like group yeah. on the planet. Right. They they hate everyone who's conservative needs to die. Like they're violently opposed to everything conservative. Like <laughs> and they're the ones deciding that a little girl holding a frog is dangerous. You know, <laughs> like, it does, that isn't that mind blowing? That's just crazy. Oh. Uh, it, they and here's the thing: I don't think they should have either extreme. They don't need extreme no, conservatives. No, no, they don't. They, don't. they need to have someone very moderate and very. Hey, you know, I can kind of understand how the Christians think, and I can kind of understand how the atheists think. I can kind of understand how the vegans think. I can kind of understand. Well, that would be think. nice. You know, but they've got the most extreme. They're, they've got freaking city-born Californians deciding whether the video is appropriate yeah well i mean i've <laughs> so had if they're that lighting, if they're lighting trump on fire great this is very appropriate right yeah that's fine <laughs> you can do that that's that's totally fine a statue of trump naked in town square where well, that's cool there's no big deal yeah that's, that's but absolutely not, you know, do not ever say anything negative about obama because he's our yeah, teacher, just, you know? there's definitely anyway. a, a media bias for sure uh yeah so that bias is very question. strong in YouTube because because they couldn't they, there's no way they could avoid it no right. matter what training they do they, they're hiring from Californian people and and just like if they they went and hired some really 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 conservative people they're going to have a, a very strong bias and that's just the reality so yeah I do have trouble with YouTube I'm just fortunate enough that I can kind of walk the line of hey guys Greenpeace. I'm not poisoning the world. I'm fixing a problem without using poisons, without using traps. Yeah, and I think natural. I do think that works in your favor. I think you're using oh, the natural instinct of the mink. The mink is doing what minks do um, to take care of a problem. You know, nobody really likes yeah. rats. Um, you're not like, you know, you probably would even have problems if it was a dog doing the killing. You know, but because it's a mink yeah. doing what mink does, it's almost pseudo natural, and so yeah. that, that's probably that's probably how you're flying under the radar or uh, or kind of getting around it. Would be yeah. my and I wouldn't say I'm flying on the and I wouldn't say I'm flying under the radar. I very much am on the radar, just not to the degree of others. Sure, and right. and but I am well, so much more than others than certain groups. So. Here's one thing about it with YouTube is the more the bigger you are, the more you are on their on their radar. Right. Well, because that makes you've sense. got millions of people watching your videos, which means there's millions of opportunities for the wrong person to stumble Correct. upon it and lose their mind and, and report you. That's and that's right. really what gets you in trouble. So you could have some really horrible, horrible stuff, and if hundred and fifty people watch it, you're probably gonna get away with it. You have some slightly questionable people uh, uh, 
slightly questionable content and 150 million people watch it, you're guaranteed to get slammed hmm. um, because YouTube doesn't count the, the percentage. They count the number. You right. get 150 flags. Well, I have 150 million views. Well, that guy only got one flag. He had two views. Half right. the people think he's right. inappropriate. Like, <laughs> come on. Right. But they don't see it that way. Yeah. They don't see it that it's way. It's just at all. numbers. Yeah. Cumulative yeah. numbers. It doesn't yeah. matter. 50% of the people who watched that video thought it was inappropriate. And 99.99999% of the people up thumbed up my video. That doesn't matter at all. It's the one person who said, I don't like this. Uh, I have a pet rat. And this makes me sad. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's pretty much the uh, that's society in a, in, a, you know, in a nutshell right there. Pretty much it's the... Squeak wheel gets to grease, though you know the. Yep. That's you know. That's how it works. The silent majority that gets the shaft. And here's the thing: YouTube really needs to fix it. It's screwing themselves more than it's screwing anyone else. It's screwing right. the, the platform. They need to have a silencing feature. They need to, because they'll review the videos when they get flagged sometimes, um, and they'll find it's totally appropriate, and they're like, "Oh, well, that was that was a stupid call on their part." We're going to dis, dis, discredit that, and we're going to go ahead and, and let your video stay up in good standing. They should then have a mark against that person because Absolutely. you know those little loud, those loud minorities are probably all day long actively looking for things that they don't like and that disturb oh, for them. For sure, and, and I guess it, I guarantee it's a hobby for some people just to see oh, how many sure. videos they can how many take down or, or demonetize oh, yeah. or and it probably has nothing to even do with the content it's just like oh i bet i can get this one down you know they're just being trolls yeah. they're just being you know and youtube should have a feature that they can silently without the person knowing what's happened because if they let them know they'll just create a new account right. they should be able to silence these silently for their own good i mean forget about creators right. like me for their own good they should be able to say this person's opinion clearly does not represent our opinion as a company right and the general majority of people in this country, we are no longer going to consider their opinion valid. They can flag something all they want. We, it's muted. We will never know they flagged it. And they, it, because there's, if they did that, they would resolve a lot of their own problems. They wouldn't have to be going back and checking these manually because there would be less flags, uh, less less false flags. Or, or I don't. I, that's actually a term. I shouldn't use that. But there's less. <laughs> yeah, there's less illegitimate. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I understand what you're flags, saying. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. So for their own benefit, I mean, they're wasting millions of their dollars checking on all these ridiculous claims that they don't have to reverse. They right. should save themselves that effort by saying, "Okay, mute, 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 yeah. mute." You know. Right. Your opinions. We've we've seen time and time again that your opinions do not matter. Mute, and uh, it, it would save them a lot of money, and it would save us the headache of, of having For to sure. request a review yeah, and say, well, "Hey guys, guys, my little girl handling a frog is not dangerous." Like, are you serious? Yeah, you are know? you serious here? <laughs> the the crazy part is that one went past review. That's the crazy part. There's wow. some jack wagon sitting at a desk right now working for YouTube that feels handling a frog is dangerous for a child and they should not be allowed to do so. That's so scary to think that people are that removed from real life and reality and nature that handling a frog is dangerous and they should not be allowed to do it. And that is a bad parent for allowing that to happen. Check. 
We do. It's so bad that we don't want other people to get that idea and be willy nilly handling frogs. This is horrible. Check. Like, like that's oh insane. God. That is that insane. That, that is, is crazy. Ha- and what I don't understand, and I've said this before on my show when I talk about conservation and that, is like, I don't know why, you know, the hunting industry is, has become really guilty of this, of uh, really kind of pandering to them and like, hey, we need to be really careful of how we shoot this, you know, make sure there's no blood, make sure there's this, make sure there's that. Now, I don't like to see a ton of blood and I'm watching a hunting video just because it's distracting, it's not clean, it doesn't make for a good product, but I don't. I don't think we do ourselves any favor when you're the reason behind it is because there are non hunters out there that are watching or could be watching and we need them as allies or we need, so we need to placate to the ignorant masses. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why the people with the least amount of knowledge about the subject have the loudest voice. It doesn't, it makes zero sense to me whatsoever. So you know, and I kind of used to have that mentality, but now it's like, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if I make some PETA member mad. It doesn't matter to me. Who cares? Yeah, they're mad. Who, who, no who are they anyways? Do. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like every inch you give them, they're just going to want more. It's it's not like you're you're just making it harder on yourself. They're never going to they're never going to be happy. So why even placate them once? Just tell them to f off and be yeah. done with it. And, and not back down yeah. to them. That's what we need to do, you know. Or, and they're you know, a moving target. They're a moving target, but but not moving um, in your favor ever, almost ever. They're ever. always moving. No, never. So so you you move a step closer to their comfort level, and their comfort level moves away from the step you just made. Exactly. So now they're they're uncomfortable with things they previously were comfortable with. Like this whole veganism movement, that was a joke just a few years ago, and now it's starting to become. Yeah. like semi-mainstream and it's really not like the overwhelming majority of people are not vegan but they're starting to have vegan um i don't know if i want to say tendencies sy- sympathies they're feeling sympathetic towards the vegans like yeah, yeah we're right. just not as righteous as them but i i don't live that way Plant but i'm based. kind of like I, I i agree with them but i just can't quite Kind of like it. Oh, that's a bad example. If someone's that religion, I shouldn't use that example. But, no, what um, I what I say um, what I say to vegans is like, listen, if it, we weren't living in the modern society, you wouldn't have the luxury of being. You you need to be aware that it's a luxury to be vegan, yeah. and it's a luxury that's destroying the planet, frankly, because well, veganism requires require. Well, I shouldn't say destroying the planet. You're right. That's that's a bit of exaggeration, but but it's not it's not helping animals or the planet at all because you're just trading one vice for what I assume, what I feel is a bigger vice. When I say vice, I mean, I shouldn't say vice. Vice is the wrong word. A stress on the planet or, or a toll on the planet because these things that they consume in large amounts to make up for the calories and the proteins and the other nutrients that they're missing from meat are very expensive to the landscape. They cost, they cost, money to ship in because a lot of them come from out of out of the country or like this almond milk stuff that they obsess with that's that's pushing bees to near extinction because of what it requires to and there's lots of things pushing bees to extinction so i'm not just blaming it on almond milk but it's it requires heavy pollination which requires them to truck in these bees which allows these bees to pass diseases back and forth and cause hives to just get wiped out left and right Right. and almond milk and almond farms because of almond milk 
are putting huge stress on the bee species and, um, and, and just nature in general. And that's just one example. Oh, yeah. Soybeans. I mean, yeah, soybeans are any of the horrible for the environment. Yeah, I mean, you can, just destroy everything that lives right. with poisons and tractors and everything has to die so that this one crop can grow so that we can save the animals. So that Wait, you can process dude, it. And, uh, you killed every tofu. animal who used to live here permanently. Like, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, just the habitat loss alone is, yeah. you know. But then you, then you, like you said, then they spray stuff on it. And then when they harvest it, I mean, those combines, you know, they're not collecting soybeans with, uh, you know, feather shears. Like, it's chopping yeah. up everything. Everything in there. Everything Mice, that's rats, in there. All the worms, all the rabbits, yeah, baby dies. deer, to insects, to birds, to everything. Lizards, snakes, like they're all getting chopped up. Like it's. I mean, really, if you were to if you were to a diet that was as most the smallest footprint, you would not be a vegan at all. You would actually consume large quantities of from very uh, specific sources. You would grow your own vegetables in your own garden. Utilize every plot, every piece of land you have, Um, even if it's not land. If you freaking living in an apartment you'd grow vegetables out your out your window and you would harvest wild caught meat and grass fed beef like those would be the things you'd be consuming they have the smallest footprint possible right Uh, you'd gather your own because there's lots of wild meat you can eat you don't even have to eat game animals you can eat pigeons and rabbits and squirrels all kinds of way overpopulated animals that live in the city like yeah there's all you're ways right. you could you could have a very small footprint as far as what you consume, and none of them involve being vegan. None of them. No, no. <laughs> Just all you gotta do is watch. How many vegans are gonna are, are gonna win the you know that new show? Well, I guess not new. It's been out for a few seasons, but that show alone. How many vegans are gonna win that thing? Yeah, you're gonna we're gonna drop you off in the Arctic and you need to survive, but you can't eat any meat. So we're gonna, good luck to you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's I mean, in, it's unsustainable. It's unsustainable, it's and it's realistic. only made possible. It's only made possible through modern society and modern modern methods. It's and that's right, thing. and that's why I call it a luxury. It's like realize, yeah. and I'm fine with you. I mean, I, I'm you know, I'm more of a libertarian mindset. Hey, if you want to be a vegan, that's fine. That's fine for oh, you. For but sure. just like any religion, don't cram it down my don't throat. Don't it down my throat. Don't push your morality yeah. on me, and. That's fine. If that's what you want to do, man, knock yourself out. You like tofu? I can't stand it. That's, you know, whatever. Just, you know, but then and I think that's leave the me main alone, thing, you know. I think that's the main thing that everyone agrees on. Nobody really has anything against veganism. They just have something against vegans because they, it's a religion to them that they feel they must thrust. Not, not everyone. Obviously, there's people who aren't like this. Sure, but it's of course. Yeah, I mean, we're, I yeah, we're generalizing, of course. We're, we're totally stereotyping. There's yeah. plenty of vegans who, who who have are married to a hunter and they silently say nothing about it, you know? Like, but there are enough loud ones that it you, you have the stereotype of them being these overzealous religious freaks who who want to condemn everyone, even, even to a violent point. A lot of them can be very violent, sure. usually in their thoughts. Rarely in their actual actions, right? But uh, th- you can you can find vegan after vegan talking about how we should have genocide and people are evil, you know, like yeah, yeah, right. Well, and that's yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and sometimes, and of course, they're the exceptionists. I'm sure they're the exception, overwhelming majority of the time. But 
but it's so common nowadays to be on some chat or some YouTube video or some thing on Facebook and have some vegan pop on and be like, well, people are just should die anyway. And it's like, dude, like, yeah, I don't understand that. So what people, the ones you, the ones you don't know, right? Like, right. Exactly. It's like, well, why don't we'll, we'll start then? <laughs> like, Quit being a coward and, and lead the charge. Start with I mean, yourself. Let's go here. <laughs> you know, you never want to actually say that to somebody. No. But, but to prove a point, you're like, okay, well, then start. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road, you know. Then it's like, well, yeah, well, not me, obviously. And it's like, well, then your whole, the your whole argument is pointless then. Like, it, yeah. it's baseless, which it is. It's all based in uh, emotion and irrationality so which yeah. is and, which is a lot here's of the stuff thing. and here's the thing like you can be a very devout religionist person and not be rude about it like Absolutely. i'm 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 lds i'm the the what people call mormons mm-hmm. and we believe you don't drink alcohol you don't drink coffee you don't drink tea you don't chew tobacco or smoke tobacco like we have this very we don't have sex before marriage. Like we have a lot of things that are pretty normal in our society that we're like, absolutely not. We don't do that at all. Right. And I don't go to work and like, Oh, coffee. Oh, I smell coffee. Right. Every, well, back when, back when I had a regular job, I mean, of course, like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Very <laughs> like, smell coffee I, now. <laughs> back in the day, I didn't go show up at the office and be like, Oh, I can't believe you guys have coffee here. Like I'm in Utah. Like, 90% of the people sitting in that office would agree with me. Yeah, we don't drink coffee. Right. But we're not all like, oh, there's the coffee drinkers going for their coffee. Oh, I'm Sinners. so glad we're holy Mormons. <laughs> now, of course, there are Mormons who are like that. They're total jerk-offs, oh, right? absolutely. But in of every course. in every group. But as a, as a group, we don't sit down and, like, snub our nose up when the one-tenth of our whole freaking office goes and drinks coffee. We're just like, yeah, that's what they do. We don't participate. Right. We don't. Right. We're we're more than happy to provide them with a coffee break room and free coffee, and we're not gonna. That's their deal. That's just not ours. You know, the problem comes in when people try and shove their, in this case, veganism down everyone's throat, and they that's that's when everyone gets rubbed wrong. Like, if you want to quietly not eat meat, it's just like me quietly not drinking coffee or beer. You know, <laughs> like who cares? Right. So uh, somebody else's somebody else's actions or morality does not equate your, has no bearing on your personal salvation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're not, you know, somebody else sins in air quotes, whatever that sin may be, whether that's eating meat because you're a vegan or whether that's, you know, drinking coffee if you're a Mormon or whether that's, you know, whatever bugs yeah. Catholics. I don't know. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whatever that sin is. It's like if somebody else does it over there, you're not guilty of that. Like you're not you're not no. going to be, you know. So it's like just, yeah. It's and it's, if someone comes and asks, it's or the subject gets brought up. I mean that's different too. Like if someone brought up, like if you were right now, like let's say you were like, oh, you don't drink coffee, and you started asking about it, I'd be more than happy to explain some logical reasons on the religion and be like, yeah, well, here's why, and coffee does this, and and here's the benefit, and. And I really see the benefit. You know, I'll be, I'm more than happy to talk about it. Right. But I'm not going to like, like, oh, hey, you're not Mormon. Yeah. That probably means you drink coffee. Oh, let me shove down all this information that, that may or may not be true down your throat, you know, for the next yeah. half hour. That person's you know? not wearing a mask. 
<laughs> you mean yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. for sure. Well, what's your next step? Well, where, where, where are you going? I know you're doing the. I'm looking at like the. I'm watching. You know how you hover the cursor over the video, and it kind of gives you a preview. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to dive deep here into your new Raptor stuff. But that's is that kind of. You're still doing the no, make, obviously, because you work for the city. But are you gonna start uh, employing? monitor lizards running around the city to eat the rats too or is that just a hobby probably not it's just (laughs) well that's how my mink started so i shouldn't say that very loud right but um i don't anticipate that at all um i'm not a big reptile guy i'm more into mammals more into birds like kind of my my level of interest is like number one mammals number two birds and when i was into falconry birds i was obsessed with it but they still were kind of below mammals like i like mammals better Sure. But I was obsessed with with falconry, so I'm not not trying to say it. Uh, but but it basically number one mammals, number two birds, number three reptiles, and everything else kind of is a mush below that, you know. Um, so I don't, for that fact, don't see me like diving into it super deep. And then the other reason, even if I was, let's say reptiles were my number one, the rea- the reality is uh, you're pretty limited with reptiles because they're cold blooded. Um, you know, they need very specific situations to be active and, and able to hunt. And then they're also, I mean, their, their mental powers are limited compared to mammals and birds. Sure. So I wouldn't see this being a new thing I'm going to dive off into. It was simply something I've thought about for many years. I've always wanted to kind of play with and I'm finally doing it. Uh, um, I don't foresee it going past the curiosity stage. Um, but who knows, maybe I'll experiment with other species and maybe I'll find some cool, you know, things that I get more into it, but no, I don't, I don't see this being more than just a cool experiment to see if I could do it. Um, but like I said, having said that, that's how I started out with animals. But, but I, I sure don't anticipate that. And, and and the main reason I say that is the reason it's just not realistic. Um, I am attempting, very much attempting to make this something that is um, um, beneficial, like it has a use, like it's not just a novelty that I could go in and say, hey, there's a specific situation where this rat is in a place where it's too hot, My because my meat don't handle heat at all. It's too hot. This rat's in a place where my my monitor can do it. Let's actually use the monitor for this job. But it's going to be like a two or three times a year right. that that circumstance comes up, That's not like two or three cool. times a day. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, it, and and it'll just be kind of a fun little hobby that I'll pull out of my back pocket a couple times a year. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll become more consistent. But I don't see it being that way. Yeah. And and I don't plan on it being it that way. And I never really thought it would be that way. It's just something I thought. Hey, this is something I've always wanted to try. Um. And I'm really having fun trying it, and I might dive into it deeper, but I would never expect it to replace what I'm doing with dogs and mink and stuff like that. Not not even close. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, man. I'm gonna cut you loose. We're uh, creeping up on an hour and a half here. It's getting late. You're yawning. I'm yawning. But uh, I want to really thank you for your time. This has been a really good conversation, and I'm like. I got, uh, well, whenever I find some downtime, which is pretty rare these days, uh, I got some new YouTube videos to watch, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I hope you enjoy them. I got 
a bunch of interesting stuff out there. That's for sure. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Do you get? Are you on uh, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, all that stuff too, or is you primarily just the YouTube? Um, primarily YouTube. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Facebook a little bit. <coughs> well, quite a bit. It's more of a personal page, and I have so many people that that add me that I just don't even look anymore. Right. Yeah. So I've got. I've got. Guarantee. I have friends and family who've added me, and I. It's just lost in the shuffle. <laughs> uh, um, I barely even look. I barely right. even look. And sometimes it's it's random when I have to friend. Like, I don't know why. I'm like, why did I click that guy? And I right. didn't even look at the last hundred. Well, um, but I do have a, um, I do have an Instagram. It's not super active, but it's, it's more of a video announcement platform than anything okay, for sure. me. Okay, sure. New, so you will, dropping you will a new get one. New, yeah, you'll definitely get notified. I mean, assuming you're following me and it pops up in your newsfeed, you will get notified of new videos and I occasionally have unique stuff. Like here's a picture or a cute little video clip of my little girls or my mink or, or an interesting quick story, but that's not like, like very consistent. That's sure. kind of random. I might throw you know, two or three things up. In the probably row best move is just to subscribe to the mink man and hit the little bell up there. So you get an announcement when you drop a new video. Yeah, for sure. Hit that bell. Cause, uh, most people have subscribed to so many people that um, and channels that they'll never see it again. Right. Yep. yep. They'll watch two or three videos and it'll disappear in their news feed and they'll never see it again. Right. Yeah. So yeah, hit, hit the bell. bell and it'll it'll help. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. And uh, with that, we'll we'll sign this one off. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Glad I could uh, glad I could help out. You bet. Take it easy. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.